podcast, and well, with me as always is the ever Canadian Noah Snyder, <laughs> the ever hungry Matthew Hall, and I am the ever bald Patrick Luccio. Uh, on today's episode, we have a, a little super a super episode, super sized up, not super sized, but super episode. Super Bowl is this Sunday, Eagles Chiefs. We have an astronomically out of this world topic with aliens. And we have a Matthew's health tips again, and we have a very, um, a very cartoony corner with Matt later. So, with that being said, we'll cover the Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. It is Super Bowl. Uh, what's it? Fifty-six. Uh, Fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. It is the Eagles and Chiefs. This is the first time there are two black quarterbacks starting that Super Bowl game. Also, the first time two brothers will face off in the Super Bowl. Um, if you aren't aware, the quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs and Jalen Hurts. I mean, uh, trapped in the closet, R. Kelly uh, <laughs> for the Eagles. And then we have Jason Kelsey in the center for Eagles and Travis Kelsey, all-world tight end for the Chiefs. Um, Eagles, arguably the best team in the NFC all year. Chiefs, a little bit of a rough start, but, you know, they got to figure it out. They got it going. Andy Reid knows what he's doing there. He's got a good setup, good team. Um, Kansas City, um, you all know we covered this a couple weeks ago with the Kansas City-Cincinnati game. They're there. They won. Was it a little too hands-on with the refs? Yes, but at the end of the day, Kansas City still won. They capitalized on Cincinnati errors. Um, yeah. Um, so with that being said, uh, Noah, who do you have for this game? Why? And please tell the lovely folks how. Um. <clears throat> So, yeah, I don't – comparing the two, you know, you get, you get the Eagles, Chiefs. Um, Kansas City won by three. Um, personally, I think the Bengals were the better team going mm-hmm. into that game. Um, and they won. And, again, it, you can say what you want about the refs, but at the end of the day, the Chiefs won. Mm-hmm. But um, I think some mistakes made by the Bengals helped that. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely that out of late hit out of bounds. <clears throat> definitely, definitely helped. Um, but <sighs> the Eagles, the Eagles are dominant, dude. They're very physical. They come right out of the gate. They, they, you watch them play, and it doesn't really seem like they lose a whole lot of gas throughout the four quarters. They mm-hmm. stay at the same tempo the entire game. Um, Chiefs, they kind of, I don't know, they they start out good, then they kind of fizzle out towards getting closer to the second half, and then they kind of pick up momentum again after the second half, and then, you know, depending on how it's going, it just seems like sometimes they lose their gas. Um, and I think that's going to be a critical error if they do do that during the Super Bowl. Um, because <laughs> you, you said do do. Do do. Go to go ahead and say it. You said do do. I'm sorry. I saw him laugh. I'm sorry. I, I, I said do do. I said do do. All right, continue. There's a challenge moment. I think. I think they're gonna lose the game if that happens. God damn! Um, <laughs> I just lost the fucking game. <laughs> God damn! 
You're gonna add so many pissed off viewers right now. <laughs> They're gonna be like, all these years. Bacon. Cheesecake. So, in my opinion, I think the Eagles are the more dominant team. They're the overall, overall, uh, well rounded team. Um, Patrick Mahomes, there's been the biggest conversation this week leading up to the Super Bowl. Is he going to be 100% healthy? Is he going to be able to sustain four quarters of getting his ass kicked? Because that Eagles front is not going to, they're not going to let up. 70 sacks this year. 70 sacks this year. So, that's a lot of balls. No, I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I'm taking Philly. I think Philly's O line is way more physical. The defense is way more consistent than Kansas City's. But with that being said, it's Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid's coaching this team. This is Nick Sirianni's first Super Bowl. This is Andy Reid's what, fifth, sixth? Yeah, this is the Andy Reid Bowl for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, that has a lot to do with it. But I also think this this is almost the same Philadelphia O-line that was in the last Super Bowl and almost the same D-line that was in the last Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, they got better with Darius Slay, C.J., they got Namakon Su, and Namakon Su's been there a couple times. Um, this Eagles team is well rounded. Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox has been there for a Stun. long time. Stud. Um, Stud. You know, I it, this comes. I think this will come down to the defenses. I think Jalen Hurt. I think I think Nick Sirianni's offense is quick enough and tempo to keep the Kansas City's defense guessing. Yes, Lejarius Sneed is a fantastic player, but that listen, you're playing. You're walking into Arizona. Okay, cool. Neutral site. But you have arguably the best sports city in the world behind one of these teams. And they travel well. Philadelphia sports teams in, in playoffs, known to travel well. Um, yeah, that's not a lie. The question is Jalen Hurts. Yeah. No, I, I. it's a good point. I mean, because Patrick Mahomes has experience with this, and – you know, as much as we want to hate on the guy so often, you know, so often everyone's so quick to hate on him. Um, he's got he, he's got the patience. He has the poise. He has the understanding of what needs to be done in the Super Bowl um, because it is a different game. It's a it's the it's the most different game that you're ever going to play in the entire season if you do make it to the Super Bowl than compared to regular season and then even playoffs. Uh-huh. You know, there's, there's, it, it, this is it. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes does tend to show up for the Super Bowl. Um, there's no doubt, and I'm not discrediting him, and I think he's going to have a good game um, as long as he can stay away from the pressure. As soon as the pressure gets to him, you know, like you said, we just named off who it is, you know, and the two that stand out to me the most on the entire defensive line is Fletcher Cox and Dominican Sue. Because what happens in the Super Bowl, you look to your leadership. You always look to the veterans on the team. Those two guys up front are the veterans for that team, for that crew. So, for me, what are you going to do about those two? And those, you now you have to game plan around two people and instead of one. So, that takes a lot of people away from protecting the quarterback. So. Yeah. I think yeah. you're going to see a lot of quick action pass. I think you're going to see a lot of dump pass, a lot of bubble screens. I think you're going to see a lot of fast, fast shooting offense because he's not. I just don't think he's going to have the time to sit back there and throw sixty yard bombs 
I just don't see it. And the secondary, the, the secondary is just as good as the defensive line. So, yeah, what is? Like I said, I think you're going to see, you know, close to the first down marker, maybe a little bit before that. Quick passes, bubble screens, maybe some play action. You know, set up the play action, run it. But it's going to be tough. Yeah, and the same can be said for the Eagles because the well, the, the Eagles. Are, my my thing about that is the Eagles already run an RPO. True, and they, and if and if you've watched, they really like to run the quick the quick offense, the tempo offense after after um, a big play. Yeah, no, it's I I totally agree. Giants did it's the same exact thing. Killer D line. This O line's better, but it's the big play. Hurry up, let's go. We gotta get this. We got we can't. You know, you bring up a good point too, because now, now, which defense is going to be able to maintain that same tempo? Yeah. Which defense is going to be able to match the tempo of the offense? Because you just said, is like I did, both teams aren't really going to be sitting in the pocket because the Kansas City defense can do just the same thing as the Eagles defense. They can pressure the quarterback. They have studs up front. They have stud line. I think they have stud linebackers. I think yeah. that's what makes Kansas City defense stand out is the stud linebackers. Yeah. They have studs. I'm a stud. Um, <clears throat> Matt is a stud. <laughs> Although he doesn't play professional football, he is a stud. Um, <laughs> so he's definitely downgraded, in my opinion, with that because he doesn't play in the NFL, but he is a stud. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm. I, but yeah, Eagles. What's what's your score, Snyder? What's your story of this game? What is? How do you think this game goes? So, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a close game. I don't really see this being a blowout. Even if Kansas City struggles, Patrick Mahomes is gonna find a way, dude. Like, and that's what's most aggravating about him, right? That's what makes you hate him because he just he finds a way to continue to play. Um, so, I think it's gonna be. 34 Kansas City, 37 Eagles. Yeah, I was going to say 38, 35. I think Philly, I think Philly, I think Philly misses on the first drive. Yeah. You know, they try to get their legs underneath them. I think, I, I think both teams miss on their first opening drive because every, every Super Bowl, you got to get the nerves under control. You have rookies on each team. You have a quarterback who's never been in a Super Bowl. So I think you adjust the plays accordingly. Everybody calms down. And then I think that's second second drives, third drives. That's when you're going to start seeing points. I don't think both teams are going to come out and just score on the first drive. Could be wrong, but I don't see it happening that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, yeah, Philly – I think Philly struggles at first, but they get their legs underneath them quicker than Kansas City does. Yeah. My my question, my big thing is Kansas City's secondary. My see my AJ AJ Brown's a di- is a different whole different animal than what these guys have played all year. No, AJ, I agree. I agree. That's, I'm sorry, he's better than. Listen, he's bigger than every receiver, build wise. He's quicker than most receivers, and he's not afraid to get physical. And I don't think Kansas City can play that game with him. And no. Devontae Smith is a freak of nature too. He's just. I think the two keys for me to pay attention as to how this game is going to go is how does Jalen Hurts handle the pressure and how does the Kansas City secondary 
handle these big playmakers on the Eagles uh, offense. I think if they struggle there, Kansas City's going to get gouged. And I think if the e- if Jalen Hurts struggles, I think that's going to hurt the the Eagles. So yeah. those are my two big things that I'm going to be looking for for the game. Yep, I think it's yeah, A.J. Brown. Um, the Kansas City's O-line. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that's for that. Uh, we both picked the Eagles. Matt, do you have a pick in this or do you not care? Okay. Well, with that being said, that is the end of our Super Bowl predictions. Hope you all enjoy your Super Bowl, by the way. Um, Noah has an out-of-this-world story that would um, – we're going to find interesting. There's a lot of stuff on this one. So, uh, Noah, take this one away. All right. So, welcome to another episode of Freaky Fridays. We are going to be diving into the extraterrestrial for this one. So, buckle up. All right. So, this story is a little dated. Um, This happened back in the 60s. A couple out of Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire. Let's see if we can get this thing to cooperate here. All right. So, a little... A little bit of background here. So Barney and Betty Hill were an American couple who claimed they were abducted by extraterrestrials in a rural portion of the state of New Hampshire on September 19th to the 20th, 1961. The incident came to be called the Hill Abduction, and um, Zeta Rectuli incident because of the star map shown on shown to Betty Hill could possibly be the Zeta Rectal system, according to some researchers. Hold up, hold up. Zeta Rectal? Yeah. Anyway, before I was interrupted... Rectum? Matt's mind's in the gutter. Yeah. Their story was adapted into the best-selling 1966 book, The Interrupted Journey. And also... Featured on a television show in 1975 called The UFO Incident. <clears throat> Just to give a little little bit of background on how far this story has come. So, the Hills lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Barney, 1922 to 1969, was employed by the U.S. Postal Service, while Betty, his wife, who lived from 1919 to 2004... Hold up. Hold up. I'm sorry to interrupt again. But, like, doesn't this seem like a good ploy to get out of work? Like, who would want to work for the USPS? Like, seriously. Like, I, well, I appreciate man, those who do because they do a hard job. But as far as the entity as a whole, they are a giant asshole. Matt, this is back when the USPS was actually, like, you know, before they got shit on by everyone for how shitty they were doing. I mean, I guess, but, like... <laughs> Alan and I had this conversation earlier about this is this is back when the USPS was 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 uh, in good standing. Okay. <laughs> so his wife Betty was a social worker active in the local Unitarian congregation. The Hills were also members of the NAACP and community leaders. And Barney sat on a local board of the United States Commission of Civil Rights. 
They were an interracial couple at the time when it was particularly uncommon in the United States. Barney was black and Betty was white. Mm -hmm. The encounter. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, I gotta sneeze. So, according to a variety of reports given by the Hills, the alleged UFO sighting happened about 10.30 p.m. September 19, 1961. The Hills were driving back to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls in Montreal. Just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, which, time out. I don't know if Niagara Falls was better then, but, like, unless you're going to the Canadian side, not really worth it. So, hopefully hopefully they went to the Canadian side. That's before the tourism got really big, I think, out there. Yeah. Plus, yeah. the 60s, everyone was high on things. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. At that point, everyone was high. <laughs> so, Lancaster, New Hampshire. Betty claimed to have observed a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon in the planet Jupiter, upward toward the west of the moon, while Barney navigated U.S. Route 3. Betty reasoned that she observed a falling star, only it moved upward. Because it moved erratically and grew bigger and brighter, Betty urged Barney to stop the car for a closer look, as well as to walk their dog. Delessi. Delsi, sorry. Barney stopped at a scenic picnic area just south of Twin Mountain. Betty looked through binoculars, observed a, quote, odd shaped craft flashing multicolored lights travel across the face of the moon. Because her sister had several years earlier said she had seen a flying saucer, but he thought it might be what she was observing. Okay. Nope. So while I was taking notes, I, I noticed something. Okay. So mm -hmm. you said that, that she saw this cross underneath the moon and in front of Jupiter. Supposedly. So that just brings up a good point. Slightly off topic. Do so you know how women can find things in the fridge that we can't? Yes. Or solidifies it. Yep. This well, woman I... saw something cross in front of Jupiter. You know how much of uh, like eyesight you have to have for that? It's, you have to be phenomenal. She could be a sniper, well, dog. Who who better to see it than her? Because you just said men obviously don't give a flying shit. <laughs> so if it was a man saying you saw I don't think we'd be talking about it. I don't know. I don't know. You ever look for a sauce in the fridge, can't find it? it, it like you, you really want it. You really care about it, okay? I can't find it. It's behind the milk. I checked behind the milk. <laughs> Fucking pulls the milk back. It's magically there. How? How? <laughs> so, anyway. She's a witch. On. Burn her. <laughs> All she right. changed me into a newt. All right, let's get back on track. True. <laughs> Through binoculars, Barney observed what he reasoned was a commercial airliner traveling towards Vermont on its way to Montreal. However, he soon changed his mind because without looking as if it had turned, the craft rapid, rapidly descended in his direction. The observation caused Barney to realize, quote, this object was a plane that he thought was a plane was not a plane. They quickly returned to the car and drove towards Fran Francona Notch, a narrow mountainous stretch of the road. 
The Hills said they continued driving on the isolated road, moving very slowly through Fancona Notch in order to observe the object as it came even closer. At one point, the object passed above... Okay, so not... not to sound like a bigot or anything, but are you sure this guy's black? Because, mm-hmm. like, us white people, we go to it. We, we're like, ooh, piece of candy. White woman, come on. Yeah, he's, well, at this point, he's, it's an interracial marriage, and she's obviously... Well, I don't care about all that. I'm talking about, like, movie-type shit here, okay? So, we have a young, stunning black man chasing a UFO. It, in my mind... And the way TikTok and Hollywood has conditioned me to believe is that like they're like no, whereas we white people are like yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. I. Yep. Yeah, I. I get what you're saying. And then Hispanics would be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> at one at one point the object passed above a restaurant and signal tower on top of Cannon Mountain and came out near the old man of the mountain. Betty testified that it was at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which was 40 feet long, in that it seemed to be rotating. The couple watched watched as the silent illuminated illuminated craft moved erratically and bounced back and forth in the night sky. About one mile south of Indian Head, they said the object rapidly descended toward their vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. The huge silent craft hovered about 80 to 100 feet above the Hills 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air. And filled the entire field of view. That boy got a wind. It remained. It reminded Barney of a huge pancake. Carrying his pistol in his pocket, he stepped away from the vehicle and moved closer to the object. Using the binoculars, Barney claimed to have seen eight to eleven humanoid figures who were peering out of the craft's windows, seeming to look at it. In unison, all but one figure moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. The one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communicated a message telling him, quote, stay where you are and keep looking, end quote. Barney had a recollection of observing the humanoid forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Red lights on what appeared to be Batwing fins began to telescope out of the sides of the aircraft, and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. The silent craft approached to what Barney estimated was within 50 to 80 feet overhead and 300 feet away from him. On October 21, 1961, Barney reported to National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena or NICAP, investigator Walter Webb, that the, quote, beings were somehow not human. Hmm. Okay, somehow not human, like... Explain, Daddy. I don't know. Barney, quote, tore the binoculars away from his eyes and ran back to his car. 
In a near hysterical state, he told Betty, quote, they're going to capture us, end quote. He saw the object again shift its location to directly above the vehicle. He drove away as fast as he could, telling Betty to look for the object. She rolled down the window and looked up. Almost immediately, the hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping or buzzing sounds, which they said seemed to bounce off the trunk of their vehicle. The car vibrated and tingling sensation passed through the hills' bodies. The hills said that they experienced the onset of an altered state of consciousness that left their minds dulled. A second series of beeping or buzzing sounds returned the couple to full consciousness. They found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles south, but only but had only vague spotty memories of this section of road. They recalled making a sudden, sharp, unplanned turn encountering a roadblock and observing a fiery orb in the road. <clears throat> so, now we're going to go to the immediate aftermath. So this would be like, you know, either that early morning or a couple of days. Doesn't really specify. It does give dates, but... So, arriving home at about dawn... The Hill stated that they had some odd sensation and impulses they could not really explain. Betty insisted their luggage be kept near the back door rather than in the main part of the house. Their watches would never work again. Barney said that the leather strap for the binoculars was torn, though he could not recall it tearing. The toes of his shoe of his best dress shoes were scraped. Barney says he was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom, though he found nothing unusual. They took long showers to remove possible contamination, and each drew a picture of what they had observed. Which you can find those, for everyone, you can find those on uh, Wikipedia, or the two links that Pat has on on the uh, History Channel. They have the actual drawings that they sketched. Um, the panel has two really good articles about this. They also have a clip, apparently, too. So, mm-hmm. Perplexed, the Hills say they tried to reconstruct the chronological chronolog- chronology geez, of events that they witnessed the UFO and drove home. But immediately after they heard the buzzing sounds, their memories became incomplete and fragmented. After sleeping for a few hours, Betty awoke and placed the shoes and clothing she had worn during the drive into her closet, observing that the dress was torn at the hem, the zipper, and lining. Later, when she retrieved the items from her closet, she noted a pinkish powder on her dress. She hung the dress on her clothesline, and the pink powder blew away, but the dress... should have done a Yeah. But the dress was imperatively damaged. She threw it away, but then changed her mind, retrieved the dress, and hung it in her closet. Over the years, five laboratories have conducted, conducted chemical and forensic forensic analysis of the dress. So far, I've seen nothing of what those tests were, what what came of those. We don't have any information on those. Because the feds got them. I'm sure if you did some digging, maybe you could find something, but the feds do have a hold of that, so I doubt it. There were shiny concentric circles on their car's trunk that had not been there the previous day. Betty and Barney experimented with a compass. 
noting that when they moved it close to the spots, the needle would whirl rapidly. But when they would move it a few inches away from the shiny spots, it would drop down to normal position. So, the U.S. Air Force and NICAP got involved here. Um, so, to not go too crazy into this, because I don't want to take up too much time, basically, uh, let's see here, telephone. So, Betty had telephoned uh, Pease Air Force Base to report the UFO encounter, though she was fear of being labeled eccentric or crazy, basically. Um, she had withheld details because of that. Uh, September 22nd, Major Paul W. Henderson telephoned the Hills for a more detailed interview. And um, Henderson reported the date, September 26th, determined that the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. Um, and then this was later changed to... Quote, I knew it. She did this was not. changed later to a optical condition, quote, inversion, and, quote, insufficient data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The actual report, so there's an actual report that is still out there. Uh, it is labeled Report 100-1-61, and it is labeled Air Intelligence Information Record, and his report was forwarded to the notorious Project Blue Book, the U.S. Mm. Air Force's UFO research project. And um, then it just gives the how they reported to NICAP and the man that we had mentioned earlier. Her letter was eventually passed to Walter N. Webb, a Boston astronomer and NICAP member. Webb, however, had a different interpretation of this because he actually did an actual in-person meeting with them but met with the hills on october 21st 1961 in a six-hour interview the hills related all they could remember of the ufo encounter barney stated that he had developed a mental block and that he suspected that there were some portions of the event that did not that he did not wish to remember uh he described in detail what he could remember the craft the appearance of quote, somehow not human figures aboard it. Webb stated, quote, they were telling the truth and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved. And then the example of what he was talking about is the exact time and length of visibility that they saw the craft, apparent sizes of the object and occupants, distance and height of the object. So that's basically... The story, there, there's a whole slew of stuff. There's her memories of everything. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely kind of crazy. Spooky. Well, I mean, this story is the base for what Hollywood aliens are. Yeah, this is one of the earliest. The, this is the second. Big head with the big black eyes. This is the second earliest recording of a UFO incident. The second <laughs> earliest. The first one um, being, nope, I can, Antonio Vilas Boas, case from Brazil, 1957. That was the earliest case that was uh, brought forth to the public. 
the Hills abduction happened in the United States in 1961. So, so now that we're, we're we're also on this before we bounce to Matt here, um, you guys have you guys ever had any encounters with aliens? What you think is aliens? Um, I have seen some shit, dog. I've seen I mean, some shit. So without without getting the feds too excited, um, me and Pat uh, were actually together one night. What? I, I, I wanted to hear what he. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Mister Interrupter. Oh, I don't want oh, to hear it. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> Me interrupting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. I got two. Yeah. So, I had this friend, and uh, we were with his friends. We were all in the car. Went to his house one night, um, 30 minutes away from my house. And, um, we're on this back road, and I look out the window, and I see above us. It's dark as shit outside. There is moonlight. Well, I we get out of the car in the middle of the road and look up, and I kid you fucking not, there's a Dorito-shaped thing above the car. Like, it is super fucking low. And, you know, keep in mind, I never did anything. I never drank. Never smoked marijuana, nothing. So I am sober as fuck. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, Matt, before this episode. Huh? <laughs> I said fun fact, Matt was straight edge before this episode. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, so I look up with with everybody in the car. We were, we were all standing outside at our respective doors and whatnot in the middle of the road. And um, look up, there's a Rito-shaped thing in the sky. There's two blue lights under it. And then, like, uh... How close was it to you? If you had to guess. Oh, uh, if I shot it with a shotgun, all, all of that buckshot would hit it. All of it. So it was low. Yeah. I, I'm not good on altitude. Well, with, well within 80 feet. The accurate uh, range of was, shot. It was more than that. But, oh, was it? Yeah, it... it I was like, oh, wait, how high was this thing? How high am I? So, we're looking at it. Like I said, there's two blue lights. There's two in the back and then like a, a white color light in the front. Moving super slow. No way an aircraft that we have nowadays moves slow like that. It was like, like right over the car, dude. We got, we got back in the car, and the girl that was with us, she was like, we're not going to say anything about that. I'm like, why? Why? I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> now everyone knows. <laughs> and then uh, the second one, I was actually in sixth grade, I believe, laying in my bed. Uh, and bed was like long ways in the middle of the room. No, wait, it was actually next to the window. It was actually, and my window... I didn't. I didn't have curtains at the time. I had these crappy blinds that broke. They were out of some rock material. But um, the blinds were up, 
and I'm looking out the window and I notice not green but orange orb in the sky. I'm like, okay. I I've watched alien shows prior to know that if something is standing in the air, the shape of an orange ball by itself, without moving, and it disappears, you only got some on your hands, dog. Well, I'm looking at it. Someone calls my crappy flip cell phone because I am that old. So I turn around, get it, come back around, I look back at it, it's freaking gone. It is just gone. I was staring at it for a good solid two, three minutes. Yeah, that's crazy. What you got, Noah? Well, the only one I really got is the uh, one night. Um, I guess actually I got two. I I don't really know. Um, but the first one was uh, we out to see. Uh, me and you actually were together uh, walking through the hangar bay that night, and we had noticed, I noticed, the red and green lights. And so immediately thinking, uh, it's, it's aircraft. You know what I mean? Uh, typically, beacon lights are, are that. But what was different is that the only aircraft... One, we weren't launching jets or recovering jets that night. So, if there was aircraft in the air, it wasn't ours. It was. It would have been. A, it would have been a search and rescue helo. Would have been a search and rescue helo. And if so anything, like um, I immediately was like, okay, maybe a different, you know, person, a different aircraft from a different, you know, place, whatever. But then at the same time, it's like, well, if they're that close. We'd be on alert. We'd be gun mounts. They'd be scrambling the alert five. Uh, just, the, we would have been in lockdown at that point. So I was like, okay, it can't be enemy aircraft. So then we find out later through, I believe it was a friend of yours maybe, but like a helmsman up, in, up on the bridge that they had called saying that, it was a drone. Um, however, nothing really came of that. And I I remember thinking, okay, if they're saying that it was a drone, a drone, I've never seen one that big. This thing was big. The, the lights had to have been spread out at a minimum, like 30 to 40 feet apart. It's about an well, It was big. Um, it did a lot of following the lights that I could see. It did a lot of erratic movement, which I know is typical of a UFO. They don't take one specific pattern like an aircraft would where they kind of flow like an aircraft would. It was very like randomly placed all around. Yeah, it just kind of did just like a bunch of crazy stuff. Not typical of an F-18 or any kind of aircraft that we use where it kind of just it flows back and forth. It was just like here, then it was here, then it was there. It was over here again. Um, time was actually during the day. Um, I was on 50 cal watch and, you know, clear skies, blue skies, oceans blue, lots of light. Um, 
So me and my partner were on 50 cal watch, and I was like, huh, oh, I wonder what that is. You know, just shooting the shit, not really much going on. And we both kind of looked up at the same time, and we noticed this gray object, but the, it was like... Almost camouflage. Well, like, our sight wasn't blurry. The object was blurry. But it was close enough to where, like, it wasn't so far out that, like, naturally your eyes would be blurry from seeing that. It was, like, close enough to where it should have been should have been able to at least tell or kind of tell what it was. Very blurry. It wasn't in the shape of an aircraft. It was more of an orb-type uh, aircraft. And it uh, it just kind of stayed in place for probably 15 minutes. And then after 15 minutes, so it's almost like it was observing us, seeing what we were doing. Um, it kind of just, like, immediately it went, like, it came in close, and then it just, poof, was gone. Just vanished. Um, don't know what it was. Don't know if it was a UFO. Could have been, could have been something else, but... Those are the two I got. I got kind of crazy. A lot of people think you're weird. A lot of people think you're full of shit. Um, you know, obviously the Navy recently has recognized that there are UFOs. They've shown well, videos of it. When we were on Com2X in the in the uh, Gulf of Mexico, that's when they found the, the UFO over the Key West. Mm-hmm. So I got I got a good one for you guys. Um, so I was we we were no we were younger. Um, my aunt lived in Avil Park, which is a town out here in New York. It's a small town, uh, 66. Uh, so you take 66 back into Lionskill. And so you come up, and we leave my aunt's house, and it's just big. It look, it literally looks like a flying RV in the sky. Like, you know how the RV's got, like, the, the window, and it's got, like, the, the box. Like, you can see the front of the flat. And you can see the light here. And it, like, it looked like someone had a, the side door of a helo open, but it was, like, like a, like, RV lighting. It's right. Covered. Goddamn and meth heads are back at it again with the shit. Now <laughs> they got flying. Now they got flying RVs. Well, you know, my aunt and I, you know, I was younger. I was like, Aunt Paula, what's that? And she's like, I don't know. We'll just chalk it up as nothing. But so we come up 66 and we come up past the, we're coming past the gravel pit. And um, it's still there. But over the gravel pit and it's just here. It's just here. It's not moving. It's just hovering. It's like it, there's. It's just stationary. You because you, you know, you would be able to see if a plane, if something was moving in the sky. Mind you, this is like eight o'clock at night. Um, we're all of like I'm all of like eight or nine, maybe ten. And um, we get to my house. It's still there. She leaves, goes home, and she said, "Pat, I watched this thing hover there for fifteen minutes, fifteen twenty minutes." Planes flying over it, not moving. Yeah, probably like, was. We still don't know what that is to this day. And I I personally think it was a UFO or some military aircraft. Mind you, I spent all night on my phone looking up what this was. I couldn't tell like, what is it? And I'm just scrolling about I'm like, maybe it's an Osprey. Nope, it was too close and you would have heard an Osprey. Osprey's allowed, yeah. <laughs> you would have heard an Osprey. Wasn't me told because you would have heard that so, it, dude, it was weird. It was really freaking weird. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I think it's funny how the government 
recognizes that they're real, but at the same time, they're like, they're they always look to like shoot down anybody that brings up, you know, possible UFO sighting. You know why? Because it's not coming from them. So why should I trust it? Exactly. But we don't trust. I'm not getting into that here right now. I'll do, <laughs> I'll do that next week uh, when I paint the target. So, um, but you guys got anything else alien related? I don't think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a pretty funny segment here. Matthew's health tips. Matthew, what you got for us, man? Wiping your butt. On today, episode hold on, hold on. of Cannon Wipe, or do you sit and wipe? It doesn't, doesn't matter. Work. No, I, I want, like, that's legit. Like, people are like, like, I didn't know people stood up and wiped their butts. I thought you just leaned over, and the butt cheeks were spread around, and just wiped. People do stand. Why would you stand and wipe? Makes things a little bit easier. You're already standing up, so you can just, like, fucking wipe. Wipe, wipe, throw in toilet, and then pull up. You don't have to bend over, wipe, and then get up, and then place in toilet, or... Bend over, wipe, place the toilet, then get up. With hoping that you didn't get any duke on your cheek. Um, but hold up, hold up, hold up. Let, let me do my thing. Shit. Right. Interrupted me. Alright, all right. you want to interrupt everyone else, but excuse me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're supposed to interrupt everyone else, but you didn't let me do my intro. Alright, he's got a point. He's got a point. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Matthew's Health Tips, where we talk about everything healthy. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about wiping your ass. It doesn't matter how you wipe your ass, according to Patrick, where he sits down, or Noah, where he stands up. I personally stand up. I don't stand up. Okay, well, I'm an odd man out of here, but <laughs> but it is very important to wipe your ass. And the reason why I say that is because you could be anywhere out in public. You could be in a room by your... By your your colleagues, work workers, whatever you want to call them, and they're going to smell you. You you're not going to smell yourself because you're going to be so conditioned to yourself. But they're going to smell you. They're going to smell that fucking fecal matter that's in your butt cheek right now, fermenting, sweatifying, turning into swamp ass goo. So, please, for the love of God, wipe your dirty ass. Do not leave dookie stains up in your butt crack, because I swear to God, the next time I fucking smell that, I'm going to be physically fighting somebody. I'm going to be physically... <laughs> like People I... with bidet. bidet, wipe, good to go. Good luck getting a bidet in the United States. Not many people... What? Amazon, you, bro? You can go buy it, yeah, but not many people have bidets. Are you going to go to a public restroom? I know plenty of people that have bidets. I don't. I live in the south, bro. Savages down here. Yeah, also shitting holes outside and bad up by the house. I was just going to say that. You know what? Well, Ben and Bob are back there by the shit house. You know what? You know what's bad about that? Even those people wipe their ass and like these savages I'm talking about. Yeah, but they use poison ivy in their butthole itches and they wonder why everything else itches when they're doing stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's in the back of leaf. Let me wipe on this. I think I got it all up out there. Margaret, why's my ass itchy? <laughs> Honey, you wipe your butt with the tobacco leaf. I told you to stop doing that. <laughs> Margaret, don't touch the, the leaves to the left. That's that's poison ivy. Use the ones to the right. Honey, that's poison ivy too. Guess what? Sucks and stuff. I bottle itches. 
No, that's just poison sumac. <laughs> poison oak. Poison oak. <laughs> but back to the segment. Please <laughs> wipe your ass. This ties into my previous Matthew's health tips, where I'm talking about white washing your ass. Wash your ass too. And mm-hmm. if if you're like Patrick and have water shoot right up your rectum. Oh, I don't use a bidet. I was just saying bidet you people use bidets. For those who do use a bidet, wipe your ass off. Swamp ass can still be a thing. Wipe your ass. Mm-hmm. Just save us from the shit smell, please. Yeah, for real, because y'all savages. Okay? Get out of here, you freaks. Thank you for staying tuned for Matthew's help. All right, now, Matthew has a bunch of things to talk about technology-wise, video game-wise, so... Well, Matthew, it's, it's really going to be or... quick. It's not going to be, not going to be long. Well, hold on. Back to the washing ass thing, then. Hold on. We'll take a time out here. Back to the washing ass thing. In the shower, do you, like, take the nozzle, like, spray a butthole with it, just in case, to get the extra stuff you didn't get when you wiped earlier? Back to my previous statement. No, I'm not a female. I do not get myself off with a shower head. I didn't say get myself off the shower head. I said to spray the butthole. I'm going to spray the butthole with a shower head. Back. Oh, you get a washcloth you already used on your body, and then you put more soap on it, and then you fucking screw. I mean, yeah, obviously, but like before and after, so you don't get any surprise streaks in your hands. Well, yeah, you have to wash. You have to wash your ass once you're in the shower. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just you know, do you take the the water the movable water head and just spray your butt? I don't have one. Yeah, I don't have one either. No. Hey, you fucking potato. <laughs> Bud. Well, now, moving on. Matt, talking about video games, technology. Take it away, my friend. Alright, so, as soon as you may know, Nintendo is a thing. It is one of the big three outside of Sony and Microsoft. So they got the Nintendo Switch. A lot of you guys might have a Nintendo Switch. Right, so... If, oh, you're, if you have the online plan, you can get the Game Boy emulator, which just released a couple days ago. And if you Mama. have the um, Nintendo Switch online with the expansion pass, you also get the Game Boy Advance lineup. Uh, the Game Boy Advance has a couple of good games, like uh, Mario Bros. 3. It also has uh, Mario and Luigi Star, um, Zelda, a couple other good things, uh, WarioWare. Uh, the original Game Boy also has Tetris, the Pokemon trading card game, and uh, one of the original Zeldas for the t- console. Uh, it's a pretty good price. Pretty good price if you feel like paying fifty nine ninety nine a year. It, that also comes with the N sixty four emulator, which I will say, the 007 Goldeneye N sixty four game has been re released for Xbox Switch back on the twenty seventh of January. Yeah. Which was, yes. Uh, too bad there's not any multiplayer on Xbox. Oh, dude. Oh, right. I was in the apartment all the time. Oh. Um, the also, Hogwarts Legacy is out today. Um, freaking phenomenal game. I just bought it again on my PC. I kid you not. During this live stream, I did it again. Oh, is that what you were doing earlier? Yeah. So, 
You can go pick that up. Uh, by the way, you're not a transphobic asshole for buying the game, so I don't care what, what anybody says. Don't feed into that shit, because the same people that are complaining about it are also using the same fucking platform to complain about it on that they hate. <coughs> Twitter. Um, <laughs> and then... But check my notes. For sure, there was one last thing. Your tablet, by the way. Hogwarts Legacy is like the shit. I played it. Since we're on this topic and we're here, what I know, Noah, you've played more than Matt has. Matt, Noah, what are your thoughts on the game so far? I wish my buddy Greg was here so we can ask him too. He's played the hell out of it too. So I want to hear both your thoughts. I know, I know, I was listening to Noah last night. He said that was a great opening scene. So let's, let's, I want to hear both your thoughts. So, well, so I will say that the, this has been the cleanest game launch I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Wow. Seriously, That's... no fucking bugs whatsoever. I am God awful impressed right now. Like, it's just that good. I, had, I didn't even need a patch while I was playing it before the day one patch. It was that good. That's impressive. Allegedly, there are issues on the PC. I don't know about that yet. I'm about to find out. Is it is it so? Is that kind of like the reverse of what Cyberpunk was? It was good on PC, but garbage on console, and then it got better. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you play Elden Ring at all, Matt? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, before you started, but yeah, did you play Elden Ring? Yeah, I have it. I, I couldn't get it to work on my PC. Why? I don't know. It wouldn't. It wouldn't play with just the mouse and keyboard, or it wouldn't play with the controller. Got a conflict going on there. I, I I think I might have left my pedals with my wheel plugged in. That's probably why. It had, I had to unplug them with Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. I was just... I I don't remember. I cried. Yeah, no. I, between the opening scene, um, I like how, you know, you can, you can choose frames per second or you can go for a more uh, advanced... Um, graphics gameplay so you can kind of choose between which one you want to do um i chose the frames per second just because i know with with it being a wizard game there's going to be a lot of interaction with spells and and stuff like that and combat so i wanted that frames per second right higher um i i just like how you're you're given a quest without giving too much away i'm not going to get specific quests or like names or anything but like uh i guess before the quest part um the character is completely 100% customizable to you um you can make it any anything you want you know girl boy then you know whatever combination of shit you can come up with uh so that's really cool um then the quest part so they'll give you a main quest, but then on top of that, you can go off on your own and you can do other quests in the meantime before you get to the main quest that you want to do, the main story quest, I guess. Um, the The attention to detail is is just incredible. Uh, Hogwarts itself, the paintings that talked in the movies and moved and everything, they move in the game. Yeah. So the stairways move. When you walk well, up to the stairways, they move. Let me, they come to life. Let me break um, some hearts real quick because um, back to the Switch topic. If you're on Switch, you won't get the game until July 25th of this year. Yeah. Hogwarts? Yeah. Yeah, Hogwarts is the last release for the Switch. 
Uh, yep. Switch Switch players have to wait a while before that comes to them. You might want to rephrase what you said because it's not the last release. Would I didn't? I no. I mean, like Hogwarts is getting it. The Switch users are getting it last. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, also, also, I don't know if you stayed in the news, but uh, uh, Metroid Prime got a remaster and released on the Switch. So that that gives me good mind to that two is coming to the Switch with a remaster as well as three and. There is rumors, there are rumors that they are working on Metroid Prime. Which I'm That's going to be news. buying because I, I did drop a hefty 40 bucks on that on that remaster last night. So it is $39.99 for your best customers. Uh, I don't know how many maple leaves it is up there in Canada. Beaver pelt. Yes. They goes did. off a of beaver pelt. Oh, okay. Or moose balls. Goes off of moose balls as well. It's... it's- it's it's caribou it's caribou racks and be, and uh, beaver pelt. Interesting. Um, they still use dog and sled to get around up there. Yeah, but that's all I got for uh, gaming news this week. Ugh. Yeah, no, I just I I really like. Let's you know not to beat a dead horse too much, but like I really jump on Matt there. You know, the release of this game was really clean too. Um. With, with a game that big that has that much detail to it, no patches yet or no bugs. I mean, I haven't ran into any. Um, you know, so just very impressed. The overall experience of the game so far is is phenomenal. So yeah, and I'm about to experience that's how a game PC. release. That's how a game release is supposed to be. This yep. Call of Duty shit where we just release shit after shit and then fix it when it's already out. That's that shit's oh. got to stop. Oh, by the way, they're releasing another one this year. Another what? Call of Duty. Ah, you just released one! Now they're releasing another one. I did see that. I did see that. What's the point? It's going to be as shitty as Vanguard. Yeah. Dude, this is what I'm saying. This is is what I'm saying. This is why when I'm telling you, dude, Hogwarts, this is how you release a game, bro. This is how you release a game. It's going to be like the, the gap between Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2. It's going to be shit, dude. It's going to be fucking shit. The game, Call of Duty right now is still not fixed. It oh. still isn't fixed. And then you're going to release another game on top of that? You're going to tell me it's going to be fixed by then, too? Yeah, bullshit. Modern Warfare 1 is not even fixed. Yeah. But that was fun to play. It was fun to play, but still, my point is, is they, they no. got to release it now. They got to release it now. And then they sit there and they give you shit. It's a shit uh-huh. product. Shit product. It, and and then, oh, well, we're going to release a 52 gigabyte update. Fuck you. Make me a new game at this point. Just just make a new game. Oh, wait. You did. That sucks. Oh, wait. And now you're going to release another one. Oh, wait. That one's going to probably suck. Yeah. We got anyone got anything else? No, I'm good. I'm good. Right. Uh, Noah, you have a shout out. Yes. Two shout outs. Um, first shout out, Jake Smith. Uh, appreciate the uh, suggestion for the Alien Encounters uh, episode. Um, please stay with us. We appreciate the support. Um, I'd also like to shout out a good family friend of mine. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the History Channel series uh, Forge and Fire, 
He won the whole thing. He's a Forge of Fire champion. Um, Walter Baranowski, he has a startup business exclusively on Facebook. Um, so please go check him out. Uh, Baranowski Knife and Tool. He does everything handcrafted. He can do basically anything. Um, I've seen his work firsthand. I've used the tools that he's made. Um, extremely great quality product. Um, everything's handmade right in his shop, right in his forge. Um, so if you're looking for just a good gift to give to somebody, you know, for Father's Day, Valentine's Day is coming up. I know it's right around the corner. Probably wouldn't get it now, but it is a good gift. Um, so, yeah, those are my shout-outs. You introduced me to him at Langford, right? What's that? You introduced me to him at Langford, right? We ran into him at Langford at the yeah. Pole. Yep. Great guy. Pat's met him. He's yeah. a great guy. Very, very, very humble guy. You wouldn't even know he won Forging Fire. You wouldn't even, yeah, by looking at it, he's like, oh, what, all of this big? And he like, is, like, he is a certified, he took his um, forge, forger's test. He is certified by a, ABC Forging, um, the, the, the national yep. uh, where they have to go. Basically, an apprenticeship. He was an apprenticeship, passed his test. So he's 100% certified. So everything he makes is 100% certified, guaranteed, um, and he stands by that. Like I said, he's a good family man, and I've seen his product, and it's amazing. So please check him out. Blow him up. But, uh, yeah, if you guys have any suggestions for the next Freaky Fridays or anything, or you guys want to see anything, please let us know. Yeah, please. Please. We're taking requests. If you guys want to hear a topic, we'll try and talk about it, research it the best we can. Um, next week, I'm going to have a thing that carries over to two episodes. Um, I yep. told Noah and Matt. Noah was like, "He's down." I haven't gotten a response from Matt yet, but this one's this one's a personal one for me. So we're gonna dig into this one. So, ladies and gentlemen, as always, that's Noah Snyder. I think I'm pointing to him. That's Matthew Hall. Whatever. <laughs> They're here somewhere. Your other <laughs> hand. I can put arrows in and stuff. It's Your okay. other hand. This hand. Yes. This, this way. Yes. Go this way. So this is this is Noah. No, this yep. is Matthew. Oh, no, that's Matthew. Yep. This is Noah Snyder. I'm Patrick Coluccio. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Bonus Podcast. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening.